You know, John, we've talked about the fact that Patrick Beverly can become a pain in the butt, but he's not playing very well in Los Angeles. Uh, there, And I have bought in completely to the, uh, I think, the informed storyline that, boy, you can't keep Patrick Beverly around too long, and maybe he, he isn't a long-term leader. But, man, you watch this team play, and you think they need somebody, something like him. Yeah, it's a great point, Jim. I think, like, you can say that he may not be the perfect solution for them or they may be missing, you know, something like that, but also that he would help in some areas um, in in times like this where it does just seem like they're, they need a kick in the butt every once in a while. And I do think that the kicks that he gave them at the start of the season last year put them on the right path toward having a really good season. And maybe some of the kicks that were happening towards the end of the year got a little tiresome. Um, and, and maybe it was, you know, they had worn out of their effectiveness a little bit in that regard, but there's no question that I do think right now the Timberwolves do miss something like that. And they need something like that from someone who commands some, respect maybe not even commands it but demands it and I just think that Patrick Beverly was one of those guys so he probably would not help much on the court right now with the way that he's playing the way that he's shooting but um when you see you know them win at Memphis and then lose against win against Memphis lose against OKC like that's the the kind of thing that you feel like something like a Patrick Beverly would not allow to happen and uh and that's why they are where they are right now even on the Cheryl Reeve show, Cheryl was saying that, you know, with her, you know, they share courts, they share practice space and everything else. She felt like last year, Patrick was a really big, she, when they made the trade for Gobert, she loved Gobert coming in. She wasn't sure she loved Beverly going out. Uh, so, Hey, but the reason we're talking, even talking about Patrick Beverly at all is that not only has his team had its struggles, but it seems to lack a leader. Let's get into more of that with John Krasinski here on the John Krasinski Show, part of TalkNorth.com. Please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton, and thanks to our sponsors, TSR Injury, all energy. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. All Energy Solar, AllEnergySolar.com, and Head Flyer Brewing, where, again, December 15th, 7 p.m., we're going to do the Cheryl Reeve Show at, uh, in conjunction with the Glory Ramsey Winter Wear Drive. It's a great cause. It's a great show. It's a great time. Come out to Head Flyer Brewing. It's a big, open, fun space. A uh, good time will be had by all. We appreciate anybody who can come out or who can contribute in any way. So, John, I, you know, our, our friend Chris Hine, who covers the team for the Star Tribune, he wrote a piece today about talking about leadership. I, I've written about what I perceive as a lack of leadership on this team. What I found fascinating about Chris's piece, and I'm sure you've gone down the same road, is he wrote an entire piece about the Wolves searching for leadership, and he never mentioned the veteran, highly paid point guard as a potential solution. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's sort of, it's not even really an elephant in the room. I just think it's really acknowledged. Um, D'Angelo Russell's not that kind of a guy. Um, it doesn't mean that he can't be a good player, that he can't be really effective for this team. We've seen him have really good stretches. And I, for one, think over the last week to 10 days, D'Angelo Russell has been one of the players who has played with more intensity, with more energy, who is trying to up 
kind of that sort of uh, part of his game to maybe get things going. But he is not a guy who is going to use his voice to um, pull people together, uh, to hold people accountable. Um, and I don't know that he can be effective in that. He is very inconsistent himself with his shooting, with some of his decision-making, with some of the turnovers, with the defense. And so it's hard for a player like that to really hold others accountable when there are mistakes that are being made himself. I do like that that he has increased his effort and his energy. He was diving on the floor for loose balls against OKC. Um, he's getting out on the perimeter and trying to show a little bit more defensive effort but there's got to be so much more involved in it and I really do think we were talking to Chris Finch about this um on, after practice on Monday and he said you know leadership is about one thing it's who's willing to follow you and there's a million different ways to do it but all leaders have one thing in common people follow them and I do think that I don't think that D'Angelo Russell is a player that people are following. I don't think that necessarily Carl Anthony Towns has been that um, it, it, throughout his career. Maybe Rudy Gobert, I don't know. We, he's still too, so, so early in this to to kind of de- determine whether he is someone that, that people will follow. But um, right now, that's the vacuum is maybe, you know, it, it's not just – that they might not have the leaders, but they might not have the people wanting to follow the guys at the top of the financial food chain. And I think that that's creating this sort of identity, not crisis, but uh, identity issue and, 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 and making it hard for them to, to chart a path forward. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, Do you think how many of these key players, as we talk about leadership, have the kind of maturity that will help this team go through. And, and I guess, you know, to an, partially answer my own question, this is a team that last year started pretty slowly yeah. and then they did play well down the stretch. And yeah, it wasn't all Beverly, obviously. And they, they did find some cohesion. They did start playing Finch's offense better. They seemed to get better defensively as the year went on. So, I mean, it can happen. It's not a, it's not, this is not a hopeless thing, but who, who on this team kind of has the maturity to help this team through it? Yeah, I think that um, right now my my read on it is I think once Rudy Gobert settles into his role and this organization and this community in a full way, um, I think it will allow him to be more of that voice. Uh, he certainly has the most success from a playoff standpoint, from a from a winning standpoint. Um, and I think he's one of the smarter players on the team. So he knows what it takes to um, to build a winning roster, to play winning basketball. Um, I think that so far he's been a little hamstrung in the way, in, in being able to exert himself on this team that way because he's you know not playing his best or hasn't been playing his best. And I think that he just isn't, fully comfortable yet with this team, with his new coaches, with his new um, the new teammates around him. Remember, he's played nine years. He played nine years in um, in Utah and, and almost all of that for Quinn Snyder. So I think all of the changes has made, have made it a little, him a little bit more tentative in that regard. Um, when, you know, the other person that I think clearly everyone is hoping sort of, 
takes the bull by the horns here is Anthony Edwards. And it may be unfair to be asking him to do that as a 21-year-old. Uh, he is still very inconsistent um, game in and game out. And so it's hard for him uh, he, to be one of those leaders when you do have that inconsistency. But he is the one guy, I will say, in that locker room who can be the player uh, that people want to follow um, more than anyone else. He is charismatic. He is fun to be around. He relates to everyone on the team. Um, and and so I think he is doing a good job right now of sort of working on the chemistry aspects of the team and making sure people have a good spirit about them and things like that. Now the next step for him is to be able to start to demand more out of his teammates. And I just don't think that that's been a place that he's been ready to go very often yet. But you're starting to hear coaches and other teammates and, and people behind the scenes talk about him trying to do more of that. And so eventually, I think it's going to be him in that role. It's just how soon is he ready to do that? Is that six weeks from now? Is that six months from now? Is that two years from now? That's that's the, the hard part to predict. But his personality and his game allow or position himself to do that now it's just a kind of taking that final step and making that happen. We'll get back to the team's issues. Let's uh, let's talk about something a little different and a little refreshing. Wendell Moore Jr. ends up in the starting lineup and ends up playing well. Uh, I think most of us thought that this is going to be a you know eleventh, twelfth, maybe even G League type player, and and all of a sudden he's in the starting lineup. What does that mean? Yeah, I think that what what that means is is that. Right now, and this he he was kind of put into the starting lineup because that one of their biggest issues is uh, is perimeter defense. Uh, I, it may be the biggest issue that they have faced so far this year is that you know we can talk about what Rudy has or hasn't been as a rim protector. We can talk about some of their rebounding issues, which certainly have been significant. We can talk about their three point shooting issues, another significant problem. But when you look at uh, the thing that is causing the defense to struggle to the degree it does on bad nights, it is uh, the guards not being able to uh, stay in front of their man on the perimeter. And so Wendell Moore was inserted in the starting lineup to guard John Morant and to help uh, Anthony Edwards with that and take some of the pressure off of Edwards uh, in that regard. And, you know, you had Jaden McDaniels just coming back from from his illness and 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 all those things. And so I thought he slid in there and really held his own uh, against Memphis, against OKC. Another good stint, not nothing outstanding, nothing that's just leaping off the page and is going to have him on SportsCenter highlights. But he just is so solid. Like this is a team that makes so many mental errors during games and does not play very smart basketball. Wendell Moore plays really smart basketball. He may be already one of the smartest players on the team from just a basketball IQ standpoint. So the more that you can sprinkle in someone with that kind of understanding of the game, I think the easier it makes it on other players, even if he has some weaknesses and things that he's trying to cover up right now. Do you think 
he is that kind of player because that's the kind of player Shashevsky recruits, or do you think it's that kind of player because that's the kind of way that's the way that Shashevsky develops players? Well, it, it, in this case, I mean, Wendell Moore was in college for three years, so um, I think that helped him certainly with Shashevsky, certainly getting that education, that development of his game. But he's just a mature guy. I think he's he's the same age as Anthony Edwards, basically, um, and and so. You can just see, I think, that he has more uh, high-level basketball experience under his belt than a lot of the other guys on this team. And so when you play in that Duke pressure cooker, um, you understand the stakes. You're given um, more high-leverage situations and more opportunities to play in that. And one of the things that distinguishes Wendell Moore in his time at Duke is that he improved markedly from the time he was a freshman to the time he left. And, and so he, he shows that he's very coachable and he absorbs instruction and, and applies it um, pretty quickly when it happens. And so, yeah, I think that, I think he's just naturally has a good feel and, and is a smart young man. But I also do think that being in college for three years at a high level program, playing for one of the best coaches of all time, um, that that has only helped his aptitude for the game, and and that makes him stand out clearly on a team that lacks a lot of that kind of just basic understanding and instincts that come with playing smart basketball. Six one two TSR time. That's all you need to remember. If you are injured, you call 612-TSR-TIME. They will not charge you unless they win your case. They win a lot of cases. That's why you they can afford to advertise everywhere, including on this network. Uh, we've gotten to know Steve Terry and his uh, his cohorts very well. We like them. We trust them. Uh, that would be my first call if I were ever injured. I hope none of us need to make that call. But if you need to make that kind of a call, you're going to want seriously good help. And that's exactly what they provide. Now, uh, John, tell us about Head Flyer Brewing. Headflyer Brewing, uh, Northeast Minneapolis, right on Hennepin Avenue. Great tap room, great beer selection. I've been going there for years, long before they were affiliated with this podcast. Neil and everyone over at uh, Headflyer, great people to deal with. Awesome bartenders. Um, they'll pour you a great beer, and um, and you can have a great time. A couple of events that they have coming up. Uh, December 15th, the Cheryl Reeve podcast is recording live from Headflyer as part of the fundraising for her annual winter wear drive. And then December 17th, they have a winter cocktail party featuring a selection of unique seltzer and beer cocktails with live acoustic music from Gaetano. So go in, check out Head Flyer Brewing, have yourself a good beer. You can bring your dog, you bring all your friends, hang out, watch some Wolves games, watch some wild games. They have big screen TVs um, and just have a good time at Head Flyer Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis. Tis the season for clean balls. Fa la 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 la. Our friends at Manscaped are helping you clear your driveway for safe travels this holiday season. From stocking stuffers to white elephants, Manscaped's products are at the top of every wish list. Grab some crop mops for your pops or the body buffer for the holiday lover. Win this year's white elephant gift and help all the men in your life go from eggnog to nice hog this December by going to manscaped.com and using the code ATHLETIC for 20% off plus 
free shipping. Manscaped is a one-stop shop for all your holiday needs. They have the perfect gift in the Platinum Package 4.0 plus loads of little presents perfect for stocking stuffers. What better holiday gift than giving the gift of good hygiene and a few laughs? Manscaped offers a handful of their liquid formulations, shampoos, body washes, upstairs and downstairs deodorant, gels, exfoliants, absolutely everything they could need to keep it clean. Don't let don't let their chestnuts roast in the wrong boxers. Give them a pair of Manscaped's boxers, especially made to keep the area cool and provide holiday comfort all year round. Does dad have nasty nose hairs? Save his life with the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. Still using a loofah? You introducing the body buffer. Well, loofahs actually hold bacteria from dead skin. Help them throw out that disgusting old loofah and get the body scrubber that feels smoother but acts tougher. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code athletic at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using the promo code athletic. Great place. Hey, the Inflation Reduction Act has raised the federal solar investment tax credit from 26 to 30%. That is a surprise and it's a welcome surprise. Fantastic opportunity for residents and businesses to invest in solar. The rebate includes solar power with battery backup. There may be additional solar incentives depending on the location of the property. Solar power with battery backup can keep your lights on and heat running when a summer or winter storm hits. Solar and EVs are the perfect pair. Kick fossil fuels to the curb at home and on the road by using solar to power your EV at home or to provide that as a service as your business to employees and customers. Now's a great time to secure your spot for next year's installation. You might want to act soon. According to some studies, one in four homeowners want to invest in solar within the next five years, but the grid is limited capacity. So grab your opportunity while you can before someone else does. Allenergysolar.com. So uh, you're around the team a lot more than I am. Uh, what's the atmosphere these days? Um, it's It's one of... I, it's funny because like usually when you see teams play like this and when you see sort of the frustration and the, um, the, the not meeting expectations, you say you, you, you immediately think, okay, they must really be kind of at each other's throats behind the scenes and really grinding on each other. And I don't get the sense that that is the case. I think that they are still relatively connected. I think that they still uh, I, I think that in general, their chemistry is good. It's not great, but it's good. Um, and they have a a belief that it's going to turn around here and they're, they are going to start playing better and it's going to start clicking. But you can see that right before Carl Anthony Towns went down with the injury, I do think that there was sort of a little bit of a headbutting in terms of, I think the guards were sort of frustrated with their ability uh, with, with, or with the transition defense because they're playing with two bigs who get down the floor a little slower. And so they feel they may have felt like it's all on them to be better in the transition defense. And, and that was a problem for them. Um, yet on the other end, the bigs get a little frustrated with the guards for not rebounding, not grabbing those, those intermediate rebounds that come off of the rim and land in that, 15 to 18 foot range. That's where the wolves are getting killed on the offensive glass a lot. And so there's sort of that frustration. There's kind of segments of the team, the bigs and the littles, and they're both, they both have reasonable gripes about 
the other group. Neither 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 group is really distinguishing itself so far. And so I think there's just an overall sort of frustration that the way that they are trying to play is different than they are used to playing. And so far, the results have been too sporadic for them to really feel good about. And so I think that there's just this kind of, there's this tension right now. They want to start seeing results. And that's why it's really going to be interesting over these next four weeks, six weeks, however long it takes for Carl Anthony Towns to get back from that calf strain to see if this group starts playing and en- and enjoying playing a little bit more because they're just playing more conventionally with one big, some wings and guards around Gobert and or Nas Reed when he comes in. And then you just play kind of more of the normal style, quote unquote, of today's game. And um, and we'll see if that kind of takes some of the pressure off of them of trying to do all the calculus of playing this this kind of avant-garde way and now playing more conventionally. Maybe it's a little more natural for them to do that. And do you think Gobert being in the post on offense has hindered or bothered Edwards? Um, I think at first, absolutely it bothered him. Um, I do think that he was having a hard time finding space to go and make something happen. Um, I do think, though, it has gotten better over the last couple of weeks. And you see, to the, they've, they've had a couple of days of practice here this week before their game on Wednesday night against Indiana, which is kind of rare to have three days off in between games. But um, you can see after, after each game, after each practice, the little bits that we get to see, Anthony Edwards and Gobert are really um, spending extra time working that pick and roll. Because I don't think that Edwards has really understood how good Rudy can be for him on the screen and roll and how best to use that screen. You've seen Anthony Edwards reject the screen a lot when Rudy comes out to set it or doesn't really come off of the screen firing downhill and hasn't really felt comfortable throwing that little lob pass that that you need to really make that screen and roll effective. He did it once the other night against Memphis. And maybe he'll maybe that's the sign of of a growing chemistry. But yes, he was very much one of the players early on, really trying to figure out how the heck to play with this guy. And I think little by little, it's getting better, but still has a long way to go. And how do you think Finch is handling all this? I mean, in interviews, he seems to be so calm and patient. Uh, is that at all him put trying to project that, or is that just who he is? I mean, he's he's patient for sure, and and um. And, and I think that that's his personality generally is not one to be super animated, um, to really express like frustration and yell and scream. He doesn't want to do that. He wants to, like he always says, put up left and right bumpers and just have the players kind of operate in that space in between. I do think that there has been a, um, a little bit of a, frustration i i just sense i haven't he hasn't said this but i sense on him in that he is a cerebral coach who plays a style that really i think is best suited for smart basketball players to play on instinct and there have been so many nights 
where the Timberwolves have not played smart basketball. A lot of turnovers, silly passes, bad shot selection, um, missed assignments and rotations on defense. And it's not been necessarily, although I think there's been part of this where, you know, it's, it's, it's acclimation, it's lack of execution, it's things like that. But a lot of the times what is plaguing this team are just mindless plays. Uh, brain farts, whatever you want to call them. And that is the kind of thing that grades on a coach like Chris Finch. And I do think that, you know, there's, there's, you just kind of want, okay, when are these guys going to start to get it? And when are they really going to start playing together and connected and for each other? And, you know, enduring these periods, even if they were expected to some degree of, of, mistakes and 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 that stuff I think that's been tough for Chris Finch to kind of watch on a nightly basis and watch them go through that and commit all these errors that kind of really lead to losses that could have easily have been wins if they had just played smarter I have a question about parody which usually belongs on our NFL show by the way we do have the Viking update show on this network we have Jeff Diamond Michael Russo Anthony Lapanta Cheryl Reeve John Millay Jeff Diamond uh, boy, the list goes on. Roy Smalley, Lavelle Neal, Dave Lee, Mike Grimm on the Gophers. We're going to add some new shows here soon. We have the Pross Box with the Prossers. We have the Bar Down Beauties. Got about four or five hockey shows. They have a, uh, just an amazing amount of sports content, variety content. We also have great outdoor content. Check it all out at talknorth.com. If you like the show, we recommend subscribing. It's just a free, easy way to listen. So uh, they're a game under 500. We're talking here on Tuesday. They will be playing Wednesday night against Indiana. They are four and a half out of first place. They are two two games out of the sixth seed. Uh, why do you think there's relative parity in the NBA right now? And and is it just because it's such a long season? Nobody just has that a whole lot of urgency this time of year. I mean, there there might be a little bit of that, Jim, and I, I do think that that's part of it. Um, but I really do think that there is just a a surplus of talented players in the league right now. Um, you look all up and down. Let's just look at the Western Conference. I mean, you know, Phoenix and New Orleans and Memphis and Denver, like they all have their stars. Sacramento has, has put together a really nice team that has good chemistry. And also you have Darren Fox and Sabonis and, and guys like that who are playing really well, Keegan Murray. Um, the Clippers have Kawhi and Paul George. Portland now has Damian Lillard back, and then they have the shade on Sharp, who's really given them a lift, and as a rookie who's come in and contributed right away. Utah, um, we kept saying it all the time, the players that the the Wolves sent to Utah were not just throwaways to make the money work. Vanderbilt's a good player. Malik Beasley's a good player. Walker Kessler is looking great right now. Um, and in addition to Clarkson and, and, and everyone else they have, Golden State is 10th in the West, and they have – Hall of Famers on their roster. Um, the Lakers are finally starting to play better. Anthony Davis is playing great. O- Oklahoma City should be one of the easy wins, but with the Wolves found out on on Saturday night. You have Shea Gilgis Alexander. They have Jalen Williams. They have Kenrich. They have really talented guys that if you give them a crease, they're going to exploit it. And so I just think that top to bottom in this league, outside of San Antonio, which I don't think is very talented. Everyone else in the league has dangerous players on their team that, you know, on any given night, if they are rolling, you're just not going to win or you're going to have a really hard time beating them. And so 
that's why I do think you're going to see teams throughout this season. Maybe they'll, you know, right now Phoenix is 16 and eight. Maybe they'll lose three or four in a row when they just run into a really tough part of their schedule and drop down a little bit. Maybe Denver will, will hop up a little bit. Um, and, and it just kind of is a situation where, you know, the wolves have, you know, three ultra talented guys in towns, Gobert and Edwards. And then you throw in Russell as a, as a really good player and McDaniels, they have all of these really good players and it just hasn't come together yet for them. And they're 11th right now. They're outside of the play in as it is. So um, I think the parody is here to stay. I don't think it's just a function of the calendar right now. I just think that there are going to be a lot of teams that are in this thing the whole way through. It's going to make for super fun basketball, but also a lot of pressure and stress as well on these teams that are trying to scratch and claw into it. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's what I notice when I watch NBA games. I go, okay, crap. I, I didn't, you know, like even Utah. It's like you watch yeah. them play and you're like, oh, man, now they have talent. And and what I see from other teams is they have more talent than you would think if you weren't paying close attention. And, but then you watch the game and go, okay, yeah, that, those, those are talented players, even if they don't have a massive reputation. And then you see certainty on offense. You see guys who know exactly how to get their shots, you know, teams that know where to go to get their shots. And then you watch the Wolves and go, okay, they have half of that. They do have talented players. They just don't have the certainty that some of these other teams have. Yeah, it's it's right. And and the Wolves are trying to do something that is different. And that, you know, they are, you know, you look at what Donovan Mitchell has done, the other guy who was traded from the Jazz, and he moved over to Cleveland, and they're 15 and 9, and and it's been fairly seamless. But they are, because Cleveland is playing a style, and I know that they have a couple of bigs as well, but that has been well established there. They played that last season. They know how to do it. Um, the Wolves transitioned from a one big Carl Anthony Towns uh, in the front court lineup to a too big go Baron towns lineup. And that is not just one player. That's a significant philosophical shift. And, and so in some ways it is absolutely reasonable that it is taking them a little bit longer to click into this and to figure that out. And I think Tim Connolly has set a tone with this organization of, Hey, it, we know that this is going to take a little bit of time. We just have to stay with it. We have to work harder and 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 concentrate, and it will come together here. And believe in that. But um, their learning, or their their curve for doing it has been much steeper than New Orleans, than Memphis, who's been all together, than Denver, who's just brought back a bunch of um, uh, a, a bunch of injured guys this year, than Sacramento, who. Still had the core of Fox and Sabonis, but added around them um, with 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 kind of supportive guys, supporting cast guys. There's just that's that's the thing that is causing the Wolves right now to stutter and stumble a little bit more out of the gates. Is they're playing with uncertainty, as you said, Jim. They just don't know this system well enough yet. They don't know they're playing with each other well enough yet to really put their foot on the gas. And the hope is that over the next several weeks or more that that will start to click in and then they can start to get on a little bit more of a run here. Good stuff from John as always. You can also hear John on the Viking Update show. Thanks again to our producer Brandon Morton and thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. Mm-hmm.